Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Is it going? Let's go. It's going. It's recording. Oh my god, we're recording. Hi, it's been it's been so long. It has been a minute, but I feel like it's always a minute. Yeah, I'm I'm sure everyone is used to this. I can't apologize anymore because it's become such a habit that it's uh right. I feel like we're gaslighting at this point if we say Yeah, people just know. They just know how we are and they like it because they subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. Which thank you for holding on. <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't want to sound disrespectful. But the fun thing that we haven't like officially announced yet, but I am officially announcing here, is that we're starting an exclusive series for our patrons. So the highest tier, they're going to get their own little set of recordings every month. Yeah, video, right? Well, let's not say that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know if there's going to be video included. It'll definitely be audio based. Yeah, definitely audio at least, as you can hear us in your sweet, sweet ears. And what's the premise? It's whatever the fuck we want to talk about. But for the first one, at least, it's going to be creepy pasta. We're going to be talking about different creepy stories from the internet. Yeah, I think the series should be like consistently creepy pastas because there's some really bad ones that are funny. Yeah. I think this will be fun. Because the, the idea is, I don't know if you are still aware of this, but now you are. My idea originally was that we find bad creepypastas that mm. we pick for each other to read. Right. You know, Ooh. and we can also pick one that the other one hasn't heard. Yeah. But I like the idea of humiliating each other with like really cringy, horrible creepypastas. I like that. That's fun. I'm excited. The first one is going to be like a legitimate creepypasta, the first creepypasta, some would say. So we'll kick it off with a classic, and then we'll do some group humiliation and pandering. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, patrons can be on the lookout for that. And yeah, and maybe, you know, we can put a, a sample of it once they're out um, on the main feed, just to mm-hmm. give people a taste, see if they want to subscribe for that content. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, though, hi. If this is your first time, that was a lot of promo. That was a lot of promo. Yeah. But hi, I'm Mo. Hi, I'm Jeremy. And you are listening to According to an Idiot, uh, the podcast where we tell you weird random things that we researched in not a very fun or not very fluid. It's not very fun. It is fun. It's not very fun. It's it's not very fun. It's pretty bad. I don't know why you're here. (laughs) Yeah. What, What are you doing here, you idiot? This is like a masochist podcast. Nobody likes it. Mm-hmm. We don't like recording it. We don't like editing it. No one likes to listen to it. That's right. But yet here you are. You're listening to it anyway. You sick little fucker. Somebody has a gun to both of our heads in different <laughs> locations. And we're forced to... It's uh, actually Mary Bates is the one. <laughs> <laughs> our number one fan. And our my Uncle one, Kent. Yeah. And Uncle Kent. Is it Kent Uncle? or Kent? Kent. Kent. It's been so long I forgot his name. I don't know if you guys will remember this because this is like from like quite a while ago still. Mm-hmm. Mo's uncle Kent was like our one fan that would like write us, write to us all the time. Is he, <laughs> so he's doing well? He's doing good. Yeah, he's doing well. Does he still listen, do you think? He stopped listening for a little bit because he got a little busy. He had some things going on. But my cousin, his son, just went off to college. So he's going to have a lot more free time. Oh, welcome back, Kent. Welcome back, Kent. <laughs> you missed us. I'll be your child. Okay. 
So, um, <laughs> I'll be your boy. So, Mo, what's what's up? What's what's on the docket today? I know we're we're going to be talking about the woo woo of the South. More specifically, uh, New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. I should have done that. You clearly weren't ready. The magic center of the southern part of the United States of America. The United States. You know it. It's the state that looks like a shoe. Oh uh, yeah, the boot. And they do a whole a whole lot of gumbo. Yeah, we're talking gumbo, about yeah. we're a talking voodoo, about New Orleans, New Orleans, Orleans, as some would say, I believe. Yeah, New Orleans, as other white people would say, like me. Northerners. <laughs> we're not really. You're not really even a northerner because you were born in Florida, right? Yes, I was. Okay. And I'm also like native, but I don't know if I'm allowed to claim that. Still figuring that one out. Like Native American. Yes. Are you? I am. But it's complicated. Is it through murder, like, or through, you know, um, the other violent thing? Rape. <laughs> I don't want to say. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, my great grandfather was a sub chief. Oh, what's a sub chief? I'm not entirely sure. I think it's like not the chief, but the guy under him. <laughs> <laughs> the sub, yeah, the sub chief. Yeah, I, I can. That makes sense. No, but my. My birth giver kind of isolated us from that side of the family, so I never okay. really got to be much in the culture, but we did go to, like, powwows, and we were, like, part of things like that growing up. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, we, we did a lot of things like that. So I was, like, exposed to it, but I wasn't, like, really immersed in the like culture of it but that's like a lot of whitewashing and things too like sure. my grandmother had to change her last name because her like maiden name was too indigenous so they americanized it okay interesting anyways that, that was a lot, that was a lot of my family background um that we'll yeah. probably just cut out and not include in this. yeah maybe we'll see we'll see and speaking of native americans as well there's a lot of native, native american history in the new orleans area obviously because it was mm -hmm. colonized in the early days by several different european powers but again, we will get to that later. I guess we can do some housekeeping, some bibble babble to start off with. You prepared some Tinderellas. Yeah. I just thought it would be fun to talk about my dating life. <laughs> oh boy. Get the tissues out, folks. All right, get the tissues out. No, I just thought it was kind of funny. I thought you would get a, a kick out of this. I went on a few dates with someone and they are in the film industry. Like they went to school for film and they work mm -hmm. in film, like they do photography and like handle all the cameras and stuff, <laughs> but has seen like no movies, has seen like no film what at all. Like not Star Wars, not like Dirty Dancing, not Lord of the Rings, like literally and that's nothing. A pretty, that's a pretty decent variety you just laid out there. Yeah. What did, what have they seen? What are... They've seen Cat in the Hat. <laughs> Wait, wait, oh. <laughs> the the, the live action Mike Myers cat in the hat. It's quite and an inspiring film. It could really, uh, you know, lead you into the film industry. I forgot how fucking awful that film is. I watched it a couple years ago. Um, I found it at the DVD at a garage sale up north, which I think is the only way you can access that DVD is through a garage sale. It's offensive. It's really bad. Yeah, no, it's one of those movies. It's kind of like Master of Disguise, if you remember mm -hmm. that movie. I love that movie. Don't disgrace that movie. Uh, have you watched that movie recently? No. <laughs> Go back and watch it and then we'll talk more about it. It's just sort of a very strange, like, how did this get made? Who is this for? I guess it's for kids, but like. But also not. But also no, not. It's, it's very so trippy. Vulgar. It's very, yeah, perverse. And like, out of all films, like they, I had them over at my house for like a movie night, you know, like a Netflix and chill type deal. Yeah. And so we each were going to pick a movie 
And so I picked The Princess Bride because it's one of my favorite movies. I think it's a movie everyone should watch at least once. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. For Treasure, sure. you know? Yeah. They thought it was fine, which is okay. Everyone has wow. their opinions. But their pick for the movie was The Cat in the Hat. Oh, so, the, okay. So they were really serious about this movie. They, they, were, they were like, yeah, they were, they were serious about it. And they had just watched it like a couple weeks ago because they had a Mike Myers weekend with their friends where they watched Shrek and then Cat in the Hat. And I was like, who? Were you Netflix and chilling an eight-year-old? I, I didn't follow through. Yeah. Okay. Because Good. I felt, I felt weird about it. I felt weird about it after watching a, a humanoid cat. Go like, but I mean, like, the, yeah, that's just it's what the, whatever very... the weird fucking laugh is that he does. <laughs> was that what he does? Yeah. Like, <gasps> <laughs> God, excuse me. I'm also um, overcoming some bronchitis. Gross. Um, so I, I got I got steroids in my blood right now, and I keep it, that to yourself. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll see uh, how I how I fare this uh, this episode. But I am currently I'm on a lot of prednisone, and it's it's doing weird things to my body. I was sweating all day. Ew, gross. And the the amount of piss that has left my body? Mo, liters. Liters? Liters. Liters. That is uh concerning. Just keep that in mind. Then you know. Anyways, I'm I'm here though. I'm good. I'm I'm feeling okay. Uh I definitely was not okay for a while, but I am drugged up and ready to go. That's good. As long as it's not COVID, right? Honestly, after a certain point, I'm like, how have I not gotten COVID yet? Because I mean, I know you just got COVID, right? I did, yeah. And I really thought I was immune because I have been, like, kissing people. I have been swapping spit with people who, like, ended up testing positive. And I never tested positive. I was like, fuck it. I'm just, like, fucking God himself, huh? And then I got it. Maybe you just always had it. You had, like, the longest exposure. Like, you you were probably giving it to people. Well, I would take tests. I took tests all the time. Like, I can't tell you how many tests I have taken, and they have always been negative. Same. And that I'm in the exact same boat. I mean, I'm vaccinated. Who are you and swapping spit with? Who are you, who are you macking on? Just men. Men in, in, the, in restrooms, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. public restrooms, bathhouses. Uh, Holes in the wall. Public transport, you know, stuff like that. No, but, um, like, I, I work typically without wearing a mask in, like, a, in a studio with people, and... I'm constantly in the sharing a hallway with strangers. I'm, I'm, uh, my work uses a lot, of, a lot of biometrics to get into pretty much any room, and so I'm, my fingers touching other people's fingers have been touching, and like, I definitely eat with my hands, not washing them before, and so <laughs> I've never got, I have not gotten it, and so this time mm-hmm. I was convinced I had it. I had this dry cough that was hurting. I couldn't stop coughing, and I'm like, okay, this is my date with COVID. I'm ready to dance. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. <laughs> and then it's like, nope, you got bronchitis. And I'm like, how the Damn. frick do I have I bronchitis? Everything. And not, you got freaking bronchitis. You know, knock on wood. I guess that's whatever. But some people are immune to it, though. You might actually just be immune. No, it's not even. I have, I've always had the worst luck with. Um, I used to always get sick when I was a kid, but then I started my, I worked with my father for a number of years cleaning carpets in some of the grossest places <laughs> in the world. And by the world, I mean Southeast Michigan. But. Still, some of the nastiest, just gnarly apartment complexes and houses, and and I touched so many disgusting things and like inhaled so much vapor of like just filth that I think it like definitely changed my immune system. Probably. So like I, I really haven't gotten super super sick from anything in a very long time. It's kind of like when people in the military go overseas and they're exposed to burn pits and stuff and they breathe in all of that. It's just like that. I suffer just as much. It's very similar. Yeah. 
and now you have enhanced your immune system mm-hmm. beyond a hum- human level. Yeah. You should not be this strong. Well, the way that with like carpet cleaning works is it's like steam cleaning. So I essentially made ev- any every dirty <laughs> carpet into a humidifier. So I was just inhaling. And you're huffing it. And yeah, I, again, a lot of carpet cleaners, when they're in certain nasty places, they will wear masks to prevent that. I never wore my father. My father's like a you know typhoid Mary. Like somehow, I'm sure he's carrying a whole slew <laughs> of things, but he's like never died. I mean this in like the nicest way, but he's like a human roach. A hundred percent. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. If like, if like a cigarette butt was a human, it'd be my father. He has just, he has just been through it all and it's somehow he's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had co. he's a, he's a di- a smoking diabetic. Um, and he got COVID and he, he almost didn't even know. Wow. He's like, just, I couldn't taste that much. And I'm like, well, how the fuck, how is this what? not a cautionary tale? How did you not learn anything from this? <laughs> he's indestructible. He's going to like lose so many limbs, but he's never going to die. <laughs> I did want to do a slight callback. So the last episode, we talked about spirit quite a bit. Did was we? that the last episode? That, no, that was like... A, Two like, episodes? That was in our... A year ago? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, probably. That was a mini, our mini-sode on the... What's that realm? The spirit realm? What's that called? Akashic Records, but not... Oh. Uh, Astral that- Plane. Astral, pl- oh my god. Do I know it or do I know it? I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, wow. It's like you edit all these bad yeah. boys. Whoa. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about fucking the horse, the horse spirit. Yeah. I thought it was funny um, because this film major that works in film but has never seen a film was telling them how I loved the movie Spirited Away, which is mm-hmm. a, a Ghibli film. Yeah, very about good. About a, a young girl who gets, you know, trapped in the spirit realm. She thought that I was talking about the movie Spirit. <laughs> With the horse. And I was like, well, why that the fuck that do you like that movie so much? Book. <laughs> I think this, okay, I think this person just like only saw movies in the year 2005. Yeah, which explains the next point. I told them I wanted to watch The Princess Bride and they thought I was talking about Princess Diaries with <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Dude, this person fucking sucks. <laughs> this is absolutely wretched. Right. I mean, Who are I, you? I, I've been told that movie's fine, but I still like it's that in that same genre of like, are you just the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards? Right. Like, yeah. is that where you get all of your media? You, <laughs> what the fuck? It feels like you've been trapped. Yeah. Like you were held hostage and right. the only media you had were early 2000s movies and you didn't know anything else existed. Yes. Like you no. grew up in bondage. Like you, you grew yeah. up in somebody's shed and you didn't know it. Like your mom was held captive and you were born there mm-hmm. and you only knew whatever dvds and vhs tapes that person had exactly it was like only from the year like 2000 to 2005 nothing before and nothing after that's so weird that's all you got i think you saw met, met a ghost it kind of feels like it. it kind of feels like it a little bit i broke it off with them i couldn't do it I wouldn't have even invited them over i was like i can't sleep with you how am i supposed to have sex with someone who thinks spirited away is the movie spirit yeah. Impossible. Right. Can't do it. Well, as we said before, in that when we discuss spirit, spirit is, I think, has a lot. It's a pretty sexual movie. Oh my god, it's so hot. Like those horses, like they want to fuck so bad the entire movie. Oh my god, that would be a great Netflix and chill movie. It would. It'd Take be hard notes. to chill. It'd be hard to chill. Are you fucking listening right now? Take notes. I'd be sweating the whole time. Like, oh goddamn. <laughs> goddamn. Look at that mane. Look at that yeah. fucking mane. Who yes. brushes him? Because that ain't natural. You know, you know where it no is. No tangles at all. Whoa. 
Do you, so do you want to read your Tinderellas on yeah, that I think note? That, speaking of hot horses and your <laughs> Netflix and chill, I want to, um, I, I scoured, since I, I do not have Tinder, um, I did scour the deepest, darkest corners of the webs yeah. to find some, uh, you're a married man now. I'm, um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm a mother of four. <laughs> so Tinderellas, let's, let's do this. Would you mind if I spread Nutella on her butt and ate it? Slap my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Beat me like a drum and lick me up like I'm jelly. Tinderellas. <laughs> One thing I, I saw, I saw like, and I mean, I went through like thousands of different like bios that were just available on the on the internet. The people like screenshotted, mm-hmm. uh, screenshot. <laughs> and one thing that was really common, I might have have it saved here somewhere. Yeah, there's a lot of copy and paste like bio things that that people reuse. And one of them that was like weirdly common. Mm-hmm. I need a man who isn't afraid to crack an egg in my ass and fuck me so hard it scrambles. Ew. I saw like 50 bios that reuse that. I feel like there's a good way to make a funny bio. That way was just gross. <laughs> no, it's disgusting. It's repulsive. First, we'll put like an egg yolk in my butthole. What? Ugh. Anyway, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into some of these. Oh, um, that's okay. Okay, more. That, yeah, that was, that was just a taste of like a common theme. Oh, no. So this, this <laughs> might be kind of dark. This might be more visceral Tinderellas than we're used to. Oh, Lord. Okay, hit me. Let's start with Gianna, age 18, which is kind of young and I feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They're so impressionable at that age. Right? They've only ever watched Cat in the Hat and <laughs> Spirit. I, I thought this one was funny. I'm like a microwave, warm inside, easy to turn on, and if you put a baby in me, I'll kill it. Okay, these are darker Tinderellas. I didn't like it at first, but I liked it at the end. Okay, this one is... uh, Okay, these might be a little bit harsher than our audience is prepared for. Okay. But this this one includes the anecdote that I mentioned previously about the eggs. Okay. Uh, This is Kristen, age 30, so a little bit more seasoned. Mm -hmm, Knows mm -hmm. what she wants. Been dating for a minute, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Just a girl looking for that special someone to leave my vagina looking like a punched lasagna. Like a punched lasagna? (laughs) Did I hear that correctly? (laughs) Just a girl looking for that special someone to leave my vagina looking like a punched lasagna. What is that? And they follow it up because it's separate little mini sentences. Okay. My immediate imagery is yeast infection. (laughs) Something. Then again, of course, a man who isn't afraid to crack an egg in my ass and F me so hard it scrambles. Okay. Yep. Um, someone to watch romantic hardcore anal porn with. Okay, let's, let's that say feels... Dwar- let's say dwarf porn also I know, I was in about our to bios, say, That feels please. a little, like, dis- uh, like, problematic. That feels a little problematic. I feel like we all know that it's the, not the correct terminology, so maybe we'll it's, cut that one Maybe li- little people, I think, is the correct... Little people? Yeah. That's true. I, that's probably better. That's probably better. I don't think dwarf is the right word. I think it's little people. Yeah. Okay, if that's if that was censored, then you know that it was it was bad. So now this one's a little bit more like something that I think you would bring to the table in terms of your Tinderellas. It's it's an actual. This one's gross too, but it's an actual. <laughs> someone actually trying. Like this is an actual, not joking. Fucking art, some culture. I'm gonna call this guy Ben. Okay. He's 26, and uh, the screenshot that I found it's mostly cropped, but all I can see is a is a a kimono. And a very serious Adam's apple. Okay. 
Okay. So just think, picture that. Okay. This app fuels the egotistical and narcissistic nature by giving them the selfie culture and a buffet of cock to choose from. This, in turn, transfers most of you women into picky, this is horrible, into picky bitches with shitty attitudes. Some of you have nothing to offer but your depreciating looks and pre-owned vaginas. If you're not this, swipe right, smiley face. That felt like me and my kind of <laughs> no, message. No, because you you always find. <laughs> Dude, these go too hard. Can we maybe not use these? Also, like pre-used. Who's trading vaginas? Right. Where can I go to a pre-used vagina lot? I'm perfectly fine with a refurbished vagina. Thank you very much. Yeah. Can I be, a, be a used vagina salesman? This one gets great mileage. I have one Tinderella I can share. Yeah, please. Please, like, lighten this. Yeah, this one's this one will lighten up because it's my own. <laughs> Once okay. again, I am introducing my own into the mix. So this was on Hinge, and I would like to know what your response to this would be. Okay. So I got this message. I didn't message first for once in my fucking miserable life. <laughs> um, Congratulations. <laughs> they, they beat me to it. And they said, quote, Hear me out. All things equal in a shallow swamp. Who would win? A shark with bodybuilder legs and tiny baby hands on the ends of their fins, or a bear with tiny arms. Shark. Right. Feels like they have a shark. bigger advantage for sure. They have bodybuilder legs and tiny baby hands. Also, they're in a swamp, which is like partially aquatic, so mm-hmm. I just feel like that's better too. But also, beefy legs are going to do a lot of kicking. Right. My answer was this. I said, trick question. If I were to stumble upon this encounter, I would have no choice but to participate. In which case, my slender man body with abnormally strong hands would always win out. <laughs> I got my fucking fingers. I'm rock climb, bitch. You think I'm not going to win? You think I'm not going to voluntarily jump into this mess just and like rip their just... eyes off like rocks? Exactly. Yeah. Fucking exactly. Yeah. But similar, I also find one a hinge. Um, excerpt that i thought was funny simply because of like the poor i don't know if it's punctuation or like phrasing this has no punctuation in it whatsoever but it's the prompt is we will get along if dot 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 Mm -hmm. and this person put you love food especially italian and dogs (laughs) (laughs) yeah like clearly like not they did they're not eating dogs but like (laughs) they're eating dogs come on i like that that's classic also like how original we all fucking love Italian. Yeah, I know. Most people do, at least. You don't you know, like that's... Italian? I don't like you, bud. Yeah, bud. How about that, bud? Bud. If you don't like eating a Labrador retriever, <laughs> I don't like you either. I have another another segment. Was that all your Tinderellas before That's I... all. Thank God. So my segment is only on the interwebs because oh, I've been nice. finding a lot of really fun little things lately. And this one... I don't know if you're gonna. If I don't know if you're gonna like it, but I'm gonna tell you it anyway. <laughs> That's the best prompt. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Only on the interweb. Uh, so I found this fun little fun fact, this fun little snippet. The Museum of Icelandic Sorcery and Witchcraft, which is like an actual museum. That's like the name of, of the museum. Yeah, I've heard of this. Do you know what I'm gonna say? No, I just I just know this is a museum. Oh, okay. Yeah, this Museum of Icelandic Sorcery and Witchcraft has a replica of something called the Nabruk. Um, I'm saying that wrong, absolutely, but mm-hmm. don't don't come at me. Yeah, you're an, you're you're an indigenous person, so it's understandable. It's, it's fine. 
It's fine. They're also called necropants or corpse breeches. Oh, I have heard of this. Yes. They're a pair of pants made from the skin of a dead man or woman. It's believed to be capable of producing an endless supply of money in Icelandic <laughs> witchcraft. So, <laughs> I thought this was fun, so I looked up how to make them. I have an idea. Okay, what's, what's your idea? Uh, you skin somebody's legs off and you put them on. Yes, but no. Yeah, I've, I've seen, I saw the photos, I believe, on Reddit. Yeah, it's more, it's more fun than that. I looked into it. I saw it and I was like, I must know more. I must know everything. So I went on Wikipedia. So if you want to make your own necropants, <laughs> you have to get permission from a living man to use his skin after his death. Oh, like so, donating your body to science. Yeah, exactly. After he has been buried, you must dig up his body and flay the skin of the corpse in one piece from the waist down. As soon as you step into the pants, they will stick to your own skin. Mm. A coin must be stolen from a poor widow and placed in the scrotum along with a magical sign written on a piece of paper. Consequently, the coin will draw money into the scrotum so that it will never be empty as long as the original coin is not removed. To ensure salvation, the owner has to convince someone else to get ownership of the pants and step into each leg as soon as he gets out of it. The necropants will thus keep the money-gathering nature for <laughs> generations. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of cool. Right, I think that's kind of fun. I, I think like I think I would do that, and I think that like maybe like if I could find somebody, I think you would probably do it with me. Like we could yeah. trade off. For sure, yeah, so absolutely. So you can do that one leg at a time uh, trade-off, you know, mm -hmm. every few months or whatever. I would love it. Can you, can you poop it. with them is what I want to know. Like, can you unbutton them and pull them down to go to the bathroom? Yeah, I don't think you have to wear them continuously. I just think that when you wear them, you get money. Oh, okay. I thought it was like the Santa Claus kind of thing. Like once you put it on, mm -hmm. you are the pants. No, no, no. I don't think so. I think you you can take them on and off. What was the thing about the putting them on one leg at a time? That's just if you're giving it to someone else. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so you can, you can like keep it hidden in a closet somewhere where people won't find it until you want them to find it. But I believe at this museum they have a, 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 like an artifact that is like a, a, a yes. mummified pair of these pants. Yes, It's like exactly. has genitals on it and like weird, nasty, mm -hmm. old skin with hair on it. I think that it's a recreation though. I don't that think it's a sense. literal pair because they, they think that it was just like a folktale type thing and not oh, okay. like literal, but yeah. who knows? Well, the recreation looks pretty realistic. Looks pretty cool. I mean, look, no, no, it doesn't. It looks disgusting. It looks pretty cool. It's pretty neat. <laughs> I love so mutilated man yeah. penis. <laughs> yeah, Ed and like jerky trousers. skin. It's pretty nasty. I think it'd be fun though, like as a test. This is usually something I like to think about. You know, like what what can I get people to do? I think if I had these pants, I would try and get people on Tinder that I went on dates with to just trade off. You're like, hey, you want these pants? You want these? Yeah. You want these pants? We're all broke here. We're all young. None of us are buying a house, but you could buy a house if you just put on these pants. I bet people will do it. I bet people will take those pants. Yeah. Getting your pants brings a whole new meaning to that phrase. Yeah, exactly. Getting your Necronomicon pants. Getting my corpse britches, boy. Nice. I, I, I want them, but in like a Bermuda shorts or cargo mm, shorts. Car cargo pants, yeah. Cargo Cargo. <laughs> cargo pants. Because you could, so each of the cargo pockets would be like different sewn on scrotums. You know who like fucking loves cargo pants? Hmm. The people in New Orleans. 
Yeah, that's right. Oh, man, another seamless fucking segue. <laughs> Did you hear that? You could just hear it sliding by like butter. Just oh. <laughs> I'm off my medication. Fantastic. And I feel like you can feel it in my segments again. I absolutely can feel it. Not my segments, my segues. My transitions. Yes. Fluid. Your, your dead Beautiful. pants. My dead pants and dead pan. Let's get to the main topic of, at hand, which is the uh, the haunted New Orleans, the strangeness. Can you hear my dog uh, freaking out? Yeah, but it adds to the ambiance. So let's pretend it's a wild street dog in New Orleans. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Ghost dog. Southern ghost dog. I think they have a few dogs there, right? Every place has oh, a few sure. dogs. I'm sure there's stray dogs in, in New Orleans of all places, of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, let's... Let's mosey on down south to New Orleans in this right now. I don't know. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. Let's jump in. Q okay. segment. Sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Modern New Orleans. One of the finest cities in the United States. <laughs> There's a very logical explanation for all this. Quick, tell me. The place is haunted. Unbelievable. Fantastic. But I tell you, it could happen. So, Mo, um... I want to start off with, there's a few very common stories that are told in New Orleans, especially by, there's a lot of ghost tours in New Orleans. Right. And so these tour guides always tend to tell the same stories. A lot of these stories have been carried down from, God, like 100 years ago, 200 years ago, because New Orleans does have a very storied past, which we'll touch more on in a bit. But I want to start off with the telling of the tale of the haunting of the Octoroon mistress. And I don't know if the term mm. Octoroon is politically correct. I'm sure it's not. So... Starting off on a good note. Starting off on a good note. I can't wait uh, to be canceled for this in like yeah, 20 years. Absolutely. absolutely. We'll be canceled like within the, the, the week. <laughs> so this haunting is said to occur at 734 Royal Street in New Orleans. That address does change in certain stories, but it's also... You don't care, so it doesn't matter. This local ghost tale has its roots in the 1850s. The term, potentially the slanderous term, Octoroon, it may be considered a slur by today's standards, but was a term for citizens of New Orleans that were considered one-eighth black and seven-eighths white. Okay. So someone labeled as being an Octoroon would fall under the wider classification of a Creole of color. A Creole is a term for a French colonist born in the French-occupied territory that encompassed Louisiana. Creole of color added a racial qualifier. So referring mm. to black and mixed race Creoles, both freeborn and enslaved. There's a lot of slavery in New Orleans, obviously. And it was really interesting, like the sort of, not the food chain, that's a weird way to put it, but like the the tiers, the classes of, mm -hmm. can you hear that dog? It's okay. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. All right. There's going to be a dog. Just deal with it. But like there are some people of color in New Orleans at the time that were free and even upper class. And there was obviously people of color that were that were enslaved African-Americans. But regardless, in Louisiana, French laws regulated interracial conduct within the colonies, granting more freedoms to the mixed race aristocrats. And in a sense, the greater percentage white a biracial citizen was, the higher their status. 
According to French laws, interracial relations were legally forbidden, yet fairly common, as evidenced by the large biracial population. The society at the time was structured so heavily along class lines, class in a sense coming before race, kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. For example, many of the wealthier and aristocratic Creoles of color owned slaves themselves. Mm -hmm. So as for the aforementioned Octoroons, um, in antebellum New Orleans, Octoroon women were fetishized and highly sought after by aristocratic white bachelors. This is pretty, and my, I think pretty sick. Yeah. These men aspired to obtain an Octoroon mistress, meanwhile courting white women for actual marriage. Yeah, okay. It was like the training, like training wheels, essentially. Ooh. I know, very sick. So in return, the mistress would gain security in the form of wealth, personal slaves, or high-quality living arrangements provided by their suitor. So generally, the custom was to keep mistresses until marriage, but also uh, they definitely, I'm sure, kept them after marriage. But yeah. So with that in mind, here's the story. So legend has it that sometime in the 1850s, an octoroon mistress called Julie, in some accounts, I kind of compiled this out of an amalgamation of all the different versions of the story. This mistress called Julie lived at this house at 734 Royal Street, presumably provided by her lover, a wealthy Frenchman. Julie, beautiful as she was, could not steal the Frenchman's whole heart or attention. She begged him to marry her, but he dismissed and denied her requests due to the social taboo. Though the Frenchman felt deeply for Julie in secret, he doubted that she wanted him for anything more than his wealth and the increased social status she would earn by marrying him, if that were to ever even happen. So after months of Julie's begging, the Frenchman devised a plan to test Julie's love and her commitment. One particularly cold night, the Frenchman was playing cards with friends on the first floor of the house. He told Julie that while he played with his guests, he wanted her to completely undress and wait for him to join her after their card game ended. Expecting her to flat-out refuse, the Frenchman was surprised when Julie agreed, mistaking her enthusiasm for sarcasm. He returned to his card game, and Julie snuck up to the rooftop, stripping down to nothing along the way. The card game did not end, and while the Frenchman carelessly entertained himself with his friends, Julie was determined to wait for her lover, ignoring the cold and damp December weather to prove her loyalty to him. As the evening came to a close, the Frenchman said goodbye to his guests and stumbled to the bedroom, surprised to find Julie missing. He called for her, but there was no answer. He thought suddenly of the rooftop, his thoughtless trick, and his desperate, lovesick mistress. The Frenchman rushed upstairs to the rooftop, bursting through a door and into the frozen silence of night. There, in a corner of the rooftop terrace, huddled and naked, was Julie's corpse. <gasps> no. In some tellings of the story, it's claimed that the Frenchman died soon after of a broken heart. Other versions mm-hmm. say he took his own life out of guilt. So that's the general story. Mm-hmm. Today, visitors at 734 Royal Street have described an oppressive and sorrowful sensation or like energy uh, near the house garden where the ghost of the man has been seen wandering or the vision mm-hmm. of a man that's like in period clothing. It's said on cold and rainy nights in December, a figure can be seen pacing the rooftop. Just me. (laughs) Yeah. People claim to encounter a female spirit on multiple floors of the house, but describing it as a friendly or playful presence. Okay. The house was actually recently occupied by a psychic reading business, I believe. Huh. I'm not sure if they still rent that space, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And employees of the building report sightings and encounters with a female spirit believed to be the mistress, described as an energetic presence, and the sound of female giggling can be heard throughout the house. (laughs) Creepy. No, thanks. I think it's actually an art gallery now. That would be cool. So that's just that story. 
kind of gives you like a, a a feel for the like folk tales of the area. A lot of it is like by the numbers, um, like oh, a forsaken love or right, yeah, like pretty gen- abuse stuff like that. General, yeah, unrequited love, ghost story stuff, yeah. And so I'll also just go into a few more things. As to the question of why New Orleans is considered one of the most haunted places in America, which it is, I think a lot of it has to do, obviously, with its like really strange history. Historically, for example, um, it was first founded by French colonists in 1718, and New Orleans would exist for almost 90 years before it even became part of the U.S. with the Louisiana Purchase of 1803. And it would remain as the largest, most populated southern city from then until just after World War II. So a lot of people, a lot of lives, a lot of good things, bad things, all the ghost juice, you know? (laughs) Also disaster, obviously. Oh, yeah, like so much. In the past, up until the present, New Orleans has long suffered hurricanes and its low elevation and high rainfall has made it extremely vulnerable to flooding. And obviously, most notably in 2005, Hurricane Katrina wrecked the city, leaving 1,800 recorded casualties and $125 billion in damages. Damn. Also, I'm I'm watching. We're watching right now on Apple TV. There's this show out called Five Days of Memorial. Okay. Which covers it's based off a pretty acclaimed book of the same name, but it's about the Baptist Memorial Hospital in New Orleans, in the city. True story of when the hurricane came and the flooding happened and everything. This uh, hospital staff was stranded in this hospital, like one of the biggest hospitals in the city, for like five days, and like it. Is a it's one of the saddest, scariest shows I've ever seen. It's excellent. I highly recommend it. But like, talk about tragedy. Like, oh my god, that check it out. If it's not for the faint yeah. of heart, but what is it called again? Five days at Memorial. Okay. But yeah. Also, fires. New Orleans burned down twice in its history. That's right. Yeah. yeah. First in 1788, which saw 856 of the 1,100 structures in the city were destroyed. Damn. That's 78% of the city was destroyed. Yeah. Holy hell. Um, And then to a lesser extent in 1794, when a fire destroyed 212 buildings. So that's like just a couple of years after. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was like almost back to back. And I thought it was kind of interesting. The fires are partly responsible for the city's unique architecture. During the fires, the city was under Spanish rule because it was French, then Spanish, and I think French again. Mm Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but during the fires, the city was under Spanish rule, meaning much of the original French built structures were lost and replaced with like a distinct French design, like the iconic wrought iron balconies that you can see through the French Quarter. Right. You'll know it if you see it. I really want to go visit sometime because like there's so much history and culture there. Yeah. My girlfriend was telling me about, she went um, a few years ago and she was talking about how like... Yeah, it's such an interesting city. And the cemeteries are really weird, like in yeah the old cemeteries in New Orleans. In certain cemeteries, I'm not super sure which ones, but they bury their dead above ground because of the hmm. flooding and stuff and high water table. That must like get kind of fucked up for the hurricanes. Yeah. I mean, if we have time, mm. I'll touch on that at the end a little bit. But it, in the early days, it was really common for the... The, the floods and the hurricanes would bring out the dead. Yikes. Um, that's when they started burying them above ground. But I guess apparently, I don't know how this works, but in these above ground tombs, the bodies will decompose really quick. And because of the heat, it's like locked into these, you know, concrete above ground tombs. Because of the heat, the temperatures are so intense that the bodies turn to ash. Whoa. And so apparently it's in certain cases, like if it's a family plot or whatever, 
what they'll do is like a groundskeeper will open up the crypt and just like sweep the ashes, you know, away to put in a new casket or a new a new body. Hmm. So people just are Whoa. sealed up. They decompose. They essentially turn to ash and then are brushed away to make room for more bodies. In some cases, allegedly. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, like efficient though. Like that's really efficient. Right. And these are some, these are like some of the oldest cemeteries. I want to say New England probably has the oldest cemeteries in America, but these are close. Mm-hmm. Also adding to New Orleans fucking hauntedness, a history of class struggles, criminal violence, and slavery. Yeah. The local culture and society was structured around, like I mentioned before, social class tiers that determine personal value and rights based on wealth and race, which obviously caused tensions and deepened inequalities. And also organized crime developed in the city since its early days, but most notably were um, the American mafia crime families that operated out of New Orleans in the late 1800s and remain there to this day in some capacity. Organized crime supported gambling, drug trafficking, and prostitution in the city, contributing to New Orleans kind of like a like a psychic shadow, Okay. for lack of a better term. With suffering, abuse, murder, the city's abundance of crime, poverty, and social conflict made it a powder keg that allowed for individuals like the infamous serial killer, the Axeman of New Orleans, which we covered in a previous mm. episode, to rise up and spread mass hysteria. That's a really fascinating story. If you haven't heard it, go back. I love how, like, sometimes there's callbacks to our previous episodes. Yeah. And, like, I don't immediately recognize it, but I'm like, oh, I've heard of that before. That's cool. Yeah. And I want to, like, spit some facts, but I'm like, we literally already covered this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you are interested by that, the Axeman of New Orleans is a crazy story. We really should make, like, a index. Yeah. Index of all the things we've covered. Right. My project, my wish and want is to make a website. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I have not done that. So if anyone wants to yell at me to motivate me to do it, so we can make an index of all the shit we've ever talked about. Yeah, man. Please guilt trip me. It works. And I'll get around to it. Yeah, Mo is fueled by guilt. I really am. So am I, though. It's, it's I think the ADHD way, yeah. Yeah. It's the urgency. And lastly, slavery is a large part of New Orleans history with slaves of various origin having been brought to the area since the early days of the French colonization. If we should entertain the idea of ghosts haunting New Orleans, surely the centuries of torture and suffering that those generations of enslaved peoples endured in the space in and around the city of New Orleans would leave behind a fair share of lingering spirits. Yeah, all fucked up shit. All fucked up shit going on over there. I covered this a long time ago. I don't think the episode's up on the main feed anymore. But this is the story of La Lurie, I think is the actual pronunciation. Yes. Um, a lot of people say La Lori, um, but I believe it's La Lurie, also known as Madame La Lurie. Uh, she lived from 1787 to 1849. Madame Delphine La was a 19th century New Orleans socialite and serial killer whose secret torture and killing of her own slaves forged her legacy as a great monster of American mythology. Mm-hmm. Lalaurie's vicious murders, which in many accounts involved dismembering, disfiguring, and torture, shocked her aristocratic friends and neighbors, even inciting members of the community around New Orleans' French Quarter to storm her mansion, trashing the Lalaurie residence. As described in an 1834 article from the New Orleans Bee, the mob of disgusted locals, quote, demolished and destroyed everything upon which they could lay their hands. It's hard to imagine what crimes could compel a neighborhood to break out in such an outrage, particularly in the antebellum South, a period when the abuse of enslaved people was far from taboo or uncommon. So this had to be especially fucked up. 
But Lallery's alleged crimes were so sinister and vile that even those accustomed to the reality of slavery sought vengeance. So, minor backstory on Delphine. Born Marie Delphine McCarty in the then Spanish-controlled New Orleans, Louisiana in 1787, she was born to social elites in New Orleans' European Creole community, and her family had originally settled in the region during the French colonial period and gradually grew in status and power, with close relatives even holding office, like her cousin who served as mayor of New Orleans from 1815 to 1820. Mm -hmm. Now, Marie's family had long owned slaves, and with the multiple slave revolts that had started to occur in and around New Orleans in the late 1700s, southern slave owners began to fear uprising amongst their own slaves, which really started the culture of really hard abuse in the area and generally in the antebellum south mm -hmm. when slavery was probably at its darkest in America. Can you clarify the antebellum south? So antebellum means before the war. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's Latin for before war. In the history of, this is from Wikipedia, in the history of Southern United States, the antebellum period spanned the end of the War of 1812 to the start of the American Civil War in 1861. Okay. Yeah. So all this was made worse by the Haitian Revolution in 1791, in which Haitian slaves successfully fought against French colonial slavers. This struck genuine fear in Southern slave owners and inspired harsher treatments and abuse towards slaves to prevent an insurrection. Marie was four years old when this panic broke out and likely shaped her abusive and violent behavior towards her own enslaved people. She also grew up hearing stories of her uncle who had been killed by his slaves in 1771. So the fear was probably there. That being said, she was a socialite and was known to be pretty polite to people of color, Creoles of color, locally, just not her own slaves. Again, just continuing the backstory, on June 11th, 1800, at the ripe age of 13... Marie first married her first husband, Ooh. a high-ranking Spanish royal officer named Don Ramon de Lopez y Angelo. It's hard for us. Can you imagine how hard it is for a 13-year-old? I know, right? You can barely read. I don't know what that was like back then. <laughs> um, in 1804, while traveling to Madrid for work, Ramon, accompanied by his now pregnant wife, Ooh. this was four years later, so she was... What, 16? 17. 17. He died suddenly on a stop in Havana. Just days after his death, Marie gave birth to their daughter and returned to New Orleans a widow. She has a lot of dead husbands. I'm not saying she killed her husbands, but there's a lot of dead baby daddies. I mean, there's a lot of dead husbands. I mean, I hope so. Yeah, honestly. I, I would have a lot of, like, you know, lingering anger and disgust for these men who want to marry me when I'm 13. So, yeah, like, yeah, fuck them. Absolutely. Kill them. Fuck him and then kill him. <laughs> so Marie would remarry in 1808 to a wealthy banker. Uh, they had four more children until his death in 1816. And then nine years later in 1825, Marie would marry again to a younger man, a hotshot stud and physician, Leonard Louis Nicholas Lalaurie, which is where she got the name. Mm. Um, in 1831, she purchased property at 1140 Royal Street. Uh, this was her pet project with little to no assistance from her husband, which was a big deal back then. Mm -hmm. By 1832, which was seven years, Madame Lalaurie completed the construction of a two-story mansion completed with attached slave quarters. It was a pretty impressive estate. Mm -hmm. um, she lived there with her husband and two of her daughters. The Lalauries were known to hold lavish parties where they hosted New Orleans' most prominent socialites and politicians. And Lalaurie would separate from her third husband sometime after the mansion was built. 
but the split did not seem definite as her husband was still living with her in the house and was like they were kind of they were still partners but huh, he was like okay. abusive and a piece of shit nice love that so the, he, he was still with her including the day the fire broke out <sighs> i know it's coming and i don't want to hear about it so prior to the mansion fire and ensuing chaos, it was common knowledge that LaLaurie not only had a fairly large number of slaves, this is anecdotal evidence to be fair, but acquaintances of the LaLaurie's who attended their regular social gatherings would later mention that they rarely saw the same house slave twice. But LaLaurie was also known to have little patience with the slaves and would criticize, scold, or punish them openly. This was allegedly witnessed by guests when slaves made errors while serving her parties. Outbursts, I can hear as as I'm reading this, I can hear my girlfriend reprimanding my dog. Um, <laughs> so outbursts and screams are said to have been overheard from the street by passersby. And one pervasive rumor was that a young female slave called Leah, age 12, had fallen from the top floor of the LaLaurie's mansion and died. Witnesses claimed to have heard screaming and what sounded like a chase throughout the home prior to the fall. Mm. And the alleged story was that Leah had been ordered to brush LaLaurie's hair. So while she was brushing the madam's hair, she hit a snag and pulled her hair. And this caused LaLaurie to uh, respond with violence, whipping and beating the girl. <sighs> this supposedly led to a chase that ended at the mansion rooftop, ending with Leah's fatal fall, either pushed by LaLaurie or caused by a panic stumble. And Leah was later buried on the property. And that was confirmed after this whole mess. A lot of the pr grounds were dug up and they found the, the body of a the bones of a, of a young a slave girl. Mm -hmm. So in general, though, authorities had been called to check disputes at the home between LaLaurie and her slaves several times before this fire. And a lawyer is said to have been paid multiple visits to remind LaLaurie of certain codes and laws regarding the upkeep of slaves. You have to be like real fucked up, like absolutely fucked. If like even other slave owners are like, hey, yeah, you need to like chill out. Exactly. Because at the like time <laughs> they had these things called uh, like code noir or like essentially the black codes which like aside from also enforcing like racial segregation laws it also like discerned like how you were to treat your slaves and they had codes of like you had to at least make sure they were like healthy and looked after to a certain degree and like mm -hmm. she I and mean, i'm sure those were low standards likely i didn't read them but she well they have to be because they're literal slaves right yeah but so she consistently did not meet those she was not up to code so the house calls were instigated by reports of her slaves appearing physically unwell, malnourished, and exhausted consistently by, like, you know, partygoers and also just locals. Funeral registers show 12 recorded deaths of slaves on the LaLaurie property between 1830 and 1834. So 12 deaths in four years. Damn. So following Leah's death, LaLaurie was reported to the police and a judge charged her with slave abuse, which is, like, such an ironic... Yeah, that's <laughs> like, like, like really? it's a slave. It's already you're already abusing that person. Yeah. This was resolved after the Lollaries paid a small fine and were forced to forfeit several slaves, apparently against their will, like they just took them from them as penance. So Lollaries' wealth and beauty made her a leader among Creole women. She balanced elegance with power. She embodied the elite Creole wife archetype with her lavish image and regal parties while wielding her personal wealth and fierce independence to kind of transcend what were like, I guess, limitations at the time that other women, no matter how rich, kind of faced in Creole mm -hmm. society. Um, and this was simply due to the fact that they were women, obviously. But this made LaLaurie a complicated public figure and 
she was envied and vilified by her, you know, peers, but immune to public criticism and attack because of her unique power and position. So let's talk about that party where everything was revealed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you can only keep a secret for so long, especially something that's fucked up as hers. Yeah. So the final party occurred on April 10th, 1834. Madame LaLaurie was hosting one of her famous parties, a lavish gathering with fellow Creole socialites and power players in the city of New Orleans. A fire soon broke out in the middle of the party, originating in the kitchen, and the LaLaurie's carefully evacuated each guest, but made no organized effort to evacuate their slaves. Apparently, according to certain accounts and stories, they just played it down and like the party just sort of moved outside. It was that low key. So as authorities and good Samaritans responded to the fire, they worked to find and rescue enslaved persons left inside. Judge Jacques Canange, I think is how you say it, a neighbor of the Lullaries assisted in saving trapped slaves. The judge mentioned in a statement that while saving some slaves, Madame Lallerie told him that he should not even bother to come and do so. Mm -hmm. She was very much dismissive of of it all. Like, don't even bother. Just enjoy the party. But it was the judge and local fire marshals who first uncovered the disturbing conditions of the house slaves and a nightmare scene hidden in the attic room of the mansion. In the kitchen, one or more slaves had been chained at their stations. And according to accounts that may or may not have been muddied by like a century of retellings and gossip and whatnot, um, the fire had been intentionally started by an enslaved cook chained to the stove and oven. That's right. The slave had survived the fire with severe injury, but was able to explain that they had caused the fire to put an end to their misery and the shared misery of their fellow slaves, claiming that death was preferable to enduring Madame Lalaurie's abuse any further. In statements given by the judge and fire marshals, they provided a vivid picture of Lalaurie's barbaric treatment of her slaves as more and more slaves were rescued and brought out of the house. Roughly seven were brought out until people started to see what Lalaurie was hiding. Mm-hmm. based on their physical condition. Scarred, tattered clothing, shackled in chains, beaten up, abused. And inside the attic, these were some of the sights witnessed by the authorities. So uh, trigger warning, this is uh, some disgusting stuff in here that was allegedly found. Mm-hmm. Quote, Seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, were seen suspended by the neck, with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. I found that in a dissertation paper from 2015 by Christine Nicole Houston. An elderly female slave was found with an untreated deep wound in her head. Slaves bound in chains by their feet and wearing fitted iron collars. One man was found chained to a wall, body covered entirely in scars. And most disturbingly, he had somehow survived with a large hole bored into his skull that was said to already be filled with maggots while he was still alive. This is disgusting. I feel gross for, like, making the content out of this, but I just think it's a fucked up story that... A story that people should be aware of. So one woman was chained with severe burns inflicted upon her back, according to details listed in the local paper, uh, The Free Inquirer. Her burns were so that, quote, the very bones might be seen projecting through the skin. Further claims were made that implied LaLaurie had performed bizarre experimentations on slaves in the attic. Yeah. These have been repeated and retold consistently. It kind of starts to blur the lines between truth and urban legend. Mm-hmm. A lot of people stand by these stories. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence in local papers that also back this up. But again, a lot of this is probably exaggerated over time. Yeah. But something happened like this. For sure. That's yeah. disgusting. So some examples of these details. Um, bottles of blood extracted from tortured slaves were found in the attic. Authorities uncovered 266 iron collars with spikes that kept the wearer's head stuck in one position. 
So it was used for discipline. And, like medieval torture yep. type stuff. And most infamously, there were slaves apparently with eyes removed, Ugh. fingernails pried off, lips and eyelids sewn shut, some left disemboweled with intestines wrapped and knotted around their waist. More unsourced but widely supported stories include male slaves covered in honey so that insects began biting and eating their own flesh. Others had been skinned alive. And one account of a victim who had been filled, whose, oh God, whose mouth had been filled with excrement and then sewn shut. Ugh. Most popular of these is probably the crab woman, which I read about a long time can ago. We, can we can we say most well-known instead yeah, of mo most, most popular? Most popular. Well, in terms of like, uh, like the local legends. Yeah, the, the actual tale. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like there's. There's an, some nuance. No, you're very correct. Yeah. If you for this, I gotta, this, I gotta this be careful with up. this. Yeah. I hate this, so I apologize for even talking about this. Uh, so, uh, most well known, most infamous. Most infamous. There you go. Would be the purported crab woman. The uh, popular claim that authorities recovered a female slave confined to a cage, whose arms and legs had been broken in several places, with the bones reset at awkward angles, so that she was left with crooked limbs resembling a crab's legs. <sighs> and she purportedly moved in a scuttling motion like a crab. That's disgusting. Um, there's also a woman who had been, like her her body had been mangled in a certain way and her skin had been peeled in circular segments so that she resembled a caterpillar. Uh, Again, I some of this sounds a little bit too dramatic to me. Yeah, uh, I'm people like, are fucked up, so you really don't know. I'm really hoping that's the case and that yeah. none of these people had to go through this experience. Uh, same. And that it's just people like hearing about some woman who did horrible things to other human beings and decided to like extrapolate off of that for their own like financial gain or whatever motives they had. Yeah, because I mean, <sighs> while she was definitely a sadistic slave owner, we don't know. In my opinion, I, I don't feel secure saying that she definitely did all of this. I think she was largely demonized on top of the fucked up shit she did. Yeah. I think she was to a further extent demonized because she was a woman. You know, it's like the evil bitch stereotype. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, newspapers today exaggerate shit. Why wouldn't a newspaper yeah. back then do the same thing? Yeah, there was a lot of racism and sexism. Yes. I mean, at that time, but especially in New Orleans. This is a city that is so filled with folklore and like ghost stories around yeah, a fire. Yeah, like magic and, yeah. you know, witchcraft, which is... Which and is storytelling. Wizardry. Yeah, storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah. So I think that over time these can be exaggerated, but she definitely was a horrible person that killed her slaves. At the least, people believed this about her. They thought her wicked and gross and cruel enough that this was believable for them. And that alone is pretty barbaric. Yeah. And also she was like immensely wealthy. She could afford to not treat her slaves this way. Yeah. Because again, at the very least, we know that her slaves were like underfed, malnourished, abused, lived in horrible slave quarters. So it's like a Jeff Bezos kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like fuck you. Fuck the rich. If anything, you can take from this episode, fuck the rich. But um, <laughs> like Jeff Bezos, like Amazon, like they have, they make so much money and yet they treat their workers like slaves in a certain extent, a modern wage yeah, 100%, slave. 100%, yeah. Um, yeah. Not to, you know, diminish the actual horrors of literal slavery, but I mean, they treat their workers horribly when they could afford to not. Yeah, they could the give them a little irony of yeah. what the fuck. And just to make it even better, on the topic of wealth too... I mean, LaLaurie's crimes were not that unusual in slaveholding culture, though the story ends in a riot that led to a local mob destroying the LaLaurie mansion, going so far as to destroy the family's carriage, even killing its horses to prevent LaLaurie's escape. The mob was made up of lower class residents, 
the party goers weren't the ones charging the, the house. It was lower class residents, not Lollery's neighbors and fellow slave owning Creole socialites. Her peers may have expressed disapproval after the fact, but Lollery's friends and acquaintances likely shared her disregard of slave suffering. They were just as guilty. And yes, Lollery somehow escaped that night, dodging any justice whatsoever. Oh, nice. She apparently uh, escaped and made it to France, where she lived until she died, I believe. Great. So yeah, that's a happy ending. But you know who Lollery was said to have known? Who's that? On several occasions, I guess, associated with was the voodoo queen. Ooh, well, everyone associated with the voodoo queen. Hmm. That's a great little transition there. So... I focused my research on the voodoo queens of New Orleans and specifically Marie Laveau, the main figurehead for the voodoo queens at the time. And I'm going to preface a lot of this with the the context that racism was very strong. Yes. It's still strong, obviously, in America, but it was very prevalent. And what I'm talking about kind of needs to be looked through that lens. Um, and to give a little bit of a background, we did talk about voodoo and a previous episode that has a lot of the context in that. Quick little crash course. Voodoo came to New Orleans from Haiti and voodoo became an established religion in Louisiana. And it was primarily led by voodoo queens. What were voodoo queens exactly? Kind of like the priest priestess, but there was more of an emphasis on women in New Orleans version of voodoo than in Haiti. So they're kind of like a, a matriarchal type of structure. Okay. So they're kind of like the authority. They had congregations, they perform rituals, they lead prayer, and they're thought to be the gate between like the physical and supernatural worlds. And this kind of rite or what have you is considered to be hereditary and it's usually passed from like mother to daughter. It has a lot of racist propaganda and like misrepresentation attached to it because voodoo queens were shown a lot of the time to be like witches and satanists and they perform these like barbaric rituals that are violent super overblown yeah like sacrifices and stuff like that and even yeah modern tv shows and movies like american horror story continues to paint this picture of them being exceptionally violent and aggressive and, you know, all the other fun microaggressions you can find. <laughs> yeah. So Marie Laveau, to get into her and her life, she was born in 1981 and died in 1881. Um, so I included that because I thought it was... What was the... What was she born? 1801. Okay. Till 1881. All so right. exactly 80 years. Damn. Which I... Which I thought was cool. And she was the voodoo queen of New Orleans. She was also an herbalist and a midwife. So what you were kind of talking about earlier with the nuances of being mixed, she was a free woman of color and was the daughter of Charles Laveau Trudeau. I included that because, whoa, do we have a little <laughs> family resemblance oh, here with a Canadian the politician? Oh, and he was a French, a white Frenchman and politician, and Marguerite de Archantel. She was a free woman of color who was white, black, and indigenous. Marie Laveau was known to care for prisoners who were sentenced to death. She did a lot of like service type work. So she would care for sick people in her community, uh, including the yellow fever epidemic. So she would kind of like take care of people when no one else wanted to because they thought they were like too sick to whatever. 
And she would also provide lessons to women and she would do rituals for those in need without charge. So she was big for like giving back to the community and people really loved her for this. She was seen as exceptionally like caring and giving and was really like a figurehead for the community. Like people really respected her. They really looked up to her. And after she had passed away, the view of like voodoo and like having a voodoo queen kind of dissipated because people loved her so much. Mm. It was like no one could really replace her. So people saw her as like exceptionally important in the actual community, right? But since there was a lot of like racism in the area, some people would see her, you know, naming white people yeah. as like an evil occultist who performed black magic and held drunk orgies, you know, would dance around a fire naked and yeah. kill goats and stuff like that. You know, kind of like cr the crazy things that you hear. Always associated with alternative like healing or witchcraft or whatever. Exactly. I use essential oils once and then they want to behead yeah, you. Yeah, you're, you're burning <laughs> up the stake. So some people were deathly afraid of being cursed by her. And it was said that she had an uncanny ability to unearth secrets. And one person said, hearsay, right? But uh, she walked the streets like she owned them. Yeah. And really for like all intents and purposes, she really kind of did. You know, like people feared yeah. her. People respected her. Like she had the power of the city and she honestly earned it, you know. And something that I thought was kind of fun is that she started a beauty parlor uh, where she was a hairdresser for like wealthier families. That's funny that you say the hairdresser thing. Hairdressers also know all the gossip, stereotypically, mm -hmm. because you, there's an intimate relationship people have with their hairdresser. And if you have the gift of gab, you can just sort of coax anything out of somebody. Exactly. I read a little bit that like she was somebody who was, like you said, able to get anything out of anybody. Because people felt so comfortable and indebted to her. Exactly. And I think she just had that gift of like communication and stuff. I agree. Yeah. And I think it was slightly calculated on her part. Sure. And like a respect her kind of way. Because she definitely used it to listen in to the ladies gossiping. And she would get inside information exactly like how you were saying. Or she would like pay off the servants. <laughs> yeah. Cure them of their ailments to get information. Oh, she had it on both sides for sure. Because she had the actual elites and the common people. Exactly. Probably even like servants and slaves. She also had a good rapport with. Yeah. So she, everybody. She was like the fucking. She was the fucking Pope. What's that guy's, the eunuch on Game of Thrones? Oh. Uh, Varys. Varys. Yeah. Varys. His little birds. Yeah. It's like that. And it's cool because she like used this information during her voodoo consultations <laughs> with the wealthy women to enhance her image as like a clairvoyant. She would like use it to give them practical advice, which is generous on her part. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was the third leader of voodoo in New Orleans, first being Santi Didi, who was overtaken by Marie Salope. So then Marie Laveau took over and then her, she passed it on to her daughter. And then her daughter was the voodoo queen for a few years afterwards. Um, but it kind of tapered from there. Legends say that she had a large python snake wrapped around her shoulders named Grand Zombie. <laughs> and it was named after some sort of like saint or something. I can't totally remember. And I should have written it down, but I didn't. Well, that to me, though, sounds like it might have been like part of the farce around her. Yeah, 100%. You know. Yeah, there's no way that she had a literal, like, python. Yeah, that's, that's like, her, like a horrible that. caricature. 
Yeah, they did that in American Horror Story as well, if I remember right. Yeah, I think Angela Bassett played her. Yeah. Angela Bassett is a fox, by the way. Yeah, she's fucking badass. So she was like heavily included in New Orleans folklore. And it's fun now because if you go on like ghost tours or anything like that, historical tours, you're definitely going to hear about her because she was so prevalent. Yes. And there'll be stories saying that like she flies around the city <laughs> or she walks the streets and um, she will slap the people she doesn't know. Like, there's a story of a guy who like was walking down the street and ran into her and some guy was like, oh, do you know who that is? And he was like, no. And she turned around and slapped him in the face and then walked away. <laughs> now you do. Right. Now you, now you fucking do. Now you know me. So why was Marie Laveau, who, like, in all intents and purposes, was someone who gave back to the community, spread a little gossip, but, you know, also tried to help people, seen as so evil, right? Because she was a person of color, yes. But many Americans saw voodoo as, like, the embodiment of savagery. They saw it as, like, the opposite of Christianity, which isn't really the case. No. And a lot of refugees from Haiti ended up in New Orleans. People were aware of the role voodoo had in the Haitian revolution from slavery and were scared it would kind of inspire more uprisings in Louisiana. Right. Full circle to the issue with Lalaurie. Yeah. So they kind of like used that to kind of remove the power from voodoo by kind of painting it in this bad light in the hopes that it would discourage people from participating and therefore like discourage them from rising against, you know, the mm-hmm. power structure. And newspapers would accuse voodoo of a lot of different fucking things at the time, which is interesting. Like I found some examples. Newspapers would accuse voodoo of prostitution human sacrifice sure and cannibalism yeah i mean yeah one newspaper read quote a young white girl partially insane was found in the midst of an assembly of fetish worshipers chanting a horrible jargon the believers in this strange superstition indulge in strange orgies with singing and dancing and sacrifices which sometimes include human victims. Why why is it always orgies? Right? Like, what's so wrong with an orgy? We did an episode on, like, demons or something. And, like, I think around the time of the Crusades, Mm -hmm. there's this fear of, like, witchcraft and this concept of, like, oh, they would have these orgies where they would, like, kiss cats' buttholes and they would, (laughs) they would, like, yeah, like, they would have babies and then kill the babies and the babies would come back as monsters. It's, like, yeah, what's up with orgies and and, and, and witchcraft and voodoo? Like, it's too much fun. I don't know. You're not allowed to have fun. Uh, Pretty much. Pretty much. Satan's work. Right. Satan is tempting you with desire and you shouldn't have any desire ever at any point in time. If you do, then you're sinning and you're bad. That's right. Well, a lot, a lot of Catholic roots in, in the area, I would assume, with Spanish yeah. and French no fun. colonizations. But I know that like Catholicism was pretty mm. popular, right? Yeah. Because voodoo also borrows from Catholicism. Correct. Yeah. It's the syncretized religion. <gasps> Remember that? Yeah. I don't know. I think everyone should have an orgy. Why not? Everyone should fuck. Yeah. Every single person. Unless you don't Put want to. Put an egg in my ass and fuck me till it's scrambled, right? Ew, yeah. I want you to... <laughs> Make my pussy look like a punched lasagna. Punched lasagna. (laughs) That's right. God, fucking goals. Disgusting, yeah. Fucking goals. Punch my lasagna pussy. (laughs) 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 Is that what you had on the... uh... That's what I got, yeah. Okay, so that's... There you go. There you have it with with her. One little (laughs) thing I think I kind of want to close off on that connects everything a little bit is um, ghosts and... and, uh, Ghosts. Ghosts. 
uh, and haunts aside, um, there's also some other folklore regarding monsters in the area. Ooh, I love monsters. Really quickly, I'll just talk about um, two of them. Monsters apart from the slave owners. Am I right? Yeah, ooh, the real monsters. So I want to talk about very briefly, very briefly, the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Ooh, okay. North of New Orleans, just across Lake Pontchartrain, some 50 or so miles away, is St. Tammany Parish, a county that falls within the New Orleans metropolitan area. Founded in 1810, the area had previously been home to many indigenous peoples like the Akalapissa, I don't think that's how you say it, <laughs> um, Chickasaw and Biloxi, and also Choctaw nations, to name a few. Its name comes from a legendary Delaware Indian chief, Tamanend, famous for signing the peace treaty with William Penn after the founding of the Pennsylvania colony. Tamanend, or Tammany, which is where the parish gets its name from, is now remembered as a figurehead for peace and friendship, affectionately called the patron saint of America. Just a little fun fact right there. But I'm going on a tangent, so fuck that shit. St. <laughs> Tammany Parish is one of, the, uh, one of nine Louisiana parishes famously named after quote-unquote saints. And St. Tammany is the only one that's not named after a proper Christian or Catholic saint. Mm. Anyway, so in this parish, mm-hmm. there is a swamp. Yeah. And in this swamp, there is a monster. <gasps> the, the brief history of the parish is completely irrelevant to the stinky Cajun monkey man known as the Honey Island Swamp Monster. But I just like learning. So, sorry, stinky cagey monkey man? Uh, stinky Cajun monkey man monster. Okay, yeah. So I get lost talking about local mundane history facts. <laughs> but... <laughs> Once one more, I just got to add in there because I can hear you all ravenously demanding more niche historical facts about an otherwise uninteresting location. Honey Island Swamp got its name long ago. I'm not joking. This sounds too good to be true. Hit me. Settlers in the swamp saw a small island inside the swamp that appeared to have a large number of honeybees flying around it. Whoa. Like, hey. That's peculiar. That's got to be the uh, Honey Island right there. Because all of these are there. So this honey <laughs> island has, has a swamp monster. Let me get to that. So this swamp has a ton of scary exotic life. It's got like badgers and, and bald eagles and bobcats and venomous snakes. Honey bees. And bees. Lots of bees. <laughs> so much honey. A natural amount of honey. It's a disgusting Disgusting, amount, right? Oozing amount Seeping of honey. Seeping out of the ground. Ugh. Repulsive. God, it's so sweet and sticky. Okay. So sweet and sticky. This honey island. I want to delete you. Um, <laughs> so uh, also a lot of those creepy like crane-like birds that look like dinosaurs. What? It's just a deadly, a deadly place. But within this deadly place full of deadly animals is the deadliest of animals. <gasps> oh, God. The honey island swamp monster. The Cajun man, the Cajun monkey man. Stinky Cajun monkey man. So the description, a brief description of this guy, he's a large bipedal humanoid. Gross. It's a bi- I think it's bipedal. I don't give a fuck though. So uh, roughly seven feet tall, covered in gray hair, yellow or red eyes. That varies based on the sightings. Um, and he has a putrid smell. I would be like more put off if he smelled nice. I think I would hate that more. Well, if he smelled like honey, that would make more sense. Yeah. But he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He smells bad. Honey, he smells like shit. The Honey Island Swamp Monster is similar and sometimes called Ragaroo, which is a legendary creature in French folklore. Obviously, there's a lot of French roots in New Orleans. And that functions as a, an equivalent to a werewolf in French folklore. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was brought there by colonial French Louisiana settlers. That term's transferred over time into like a blanket term for any werewolf-like monster as well as like any kind of man-beast. So other names that I like for this guy is the Cajun Sasquatch. Oh, hell yeah. Simply the thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You like this, the Louisiana Wookiee. <laughs> I like that one the most. 
Um, yeah, and La Bête Noire, or the Black Beast mm. um, in Cajun French. I like that one too. So much like Bigfoot, a set of plaster casts of the swamp monster's footprints is said to have been made. Uh, the casts presented a pair of large humanoid feet, each with only four toes, not a natural primate trait, as primates typically have five toes. And the first sighting took place in 1963 when a retired air traffic controller turned novice wildlife photographer supposedly captured images of the monster. This man's name was Harlan Ford. It doesn't matter, though, because you're going to forget about it in two seconds. So following his death, though, Harlan Ford, a reel of Super 8 film was unearthed that supposedly showed the cryptid. And in 1974, Harlan Ford and his friend Billy Mills had previously voiced claims of a swamp monster sighting, as well as strange footprints, and reported having found a fresh wild boar carcass near the alleged footprints and the boar had been killed unusually so, Whoa. presenting deep gash cuts into its throat. It was killed by feet. It was covered in honey. Covered in honey and by feet. And by feet. Honey doesn't gash. Honey doesn't gash like that. <laughs> honey, don't, honey don't gash. <laughs> we found this boar. It had an egg in its ass and it had been <laughs> fucked till it was scrambled. Its pussy looked like lasagna. Yeah, this boar's <laughs> pussy looks like punch lasagna. <laughs> Uh, okay. So while sightings continue to occur, scientists and local ecologists express obviously great doubts in the existence of the Honey Island Swamp Monster, um, saying it's probably a hoax. Uh, it's pretty unverified, but there are a lot of sightings. No, I swear. This monkey man punched my vagina. Look at all these eggs. <laughs> all these scrambled eggs. So the monster, though, may be related to a local legend concerning a train wreck occurring near the marshes. In the early 20th century, we're in a traveling circus. See where it's going? Ah. Had occupied one of the train cars with live animals on board, including trained chimpanzees that were thought to have survived and escaped into the swamplands. Oh, my God. Whoa. And then, okay, let me guess. Let me guess what happens from here. Chimpanzee finds Cajun seasoning, rolls around in it, much like catnip, and then he transforms. Or she. Doesn't really matter. They, they transform. Come, please. And become this horrific creature but then it doesn't stop there wanders into the swamp blind disoriented blind. from all this cajun seasoning oh yeah the sting of the cajun seasoning in its right. eyes he wanders into honey island where he gets entrapped covered slick with honey thus a monster is born That's right and he's he's all lubed up and he's ready to go punch right. some lasagna kick some things with his sharp toenails his big old toes yeah um so proponents of this theory suggest that chimps then adapted and evolved into what we know as the honey island swamp monster or swamp monsters but also i think it's more likely a giant alligator because it, alligators have the same number of toes and their footprints look like kind of like little feet so mm -hmm. it's almost okay. certainly an alligator if anything at all um, and also, um, the trademark stench that accompanies Honey Island Swamp Monsters sightings could likely be methane and related swamp gas, which commonly escapes through the loose marshy soil and carries a foul odor. So almost exactly it's that. It's almost exactly not a giant monkey man. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, related to that, though, there's the Grunch Road Monster. This is what connects everything together. Mm -hmm. This is the one. This is where it all connects. This is Genesis. The Grunch Road Monster, or simply known as the Grunch, is an <laughs> alleged creature sighted primarily in eastern New Orleans and fits the characteristics of a traditional jupacabra legends. It's pretty much just, a, you know how jupacabras are either like lizard-like or dog-like? Yeah. This is like a combo of both. So it's like a little green lizard dog man boy. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's my favorite. So it's like a lizard dog boy. 
but interestingly enough, you likely won't find Grunch Road on many maps, but most sources theorize the unpaved road is somewhere in the swamplands of the St. Bernard Parish, or was renamed decades ago. And some claim that the real Grunch Road is what is now known as Gannon Road in Little Woods, Louisiana, which is near, I think, within New Orleans. Gannon? Like... Legend of Zelda. <gasps> yeah, this is also Legend of Zelda. Did I, did I not say that? Holy hell. Holy hell. I had no idea. What the crud? So this road is the animal's purported hunting grounds. According to legend, travelers found on this road on the wrong night become prey to the grunch. Stray hitchhikers, and especially motorists who park along the road at night, are the most common victims. Whether the monster is a demonic entity seeking to terrorize and kill, or just a deeply territorial and aggressive creature, the grunch has served as a cautionary tale to the people of New Orleans and greater Louisiana, warning folks about the dangers of wandering the backcountry after dark. Because the backcountry of New Orleans and Louisiana is a scary place. Yeah, no, that's horrifying. Any swamp is really scary. And the error of letting your guard down in an unfamiliar setting. A lesson for us all. Exactly. Don't trust the swamps. Don't trust anyone. Not in this day and age. Don't trust anyone with your lasagna. Or your scrambled eggs. Or your scrambled eggs. How could you ID the Grunch Road Monster, for example? As mentioned previously, the creature's appearance echoes those of chupacabras. It has mostly leathery skin, commonly reported as a dark green hue. Uh, it's overall similar to a goat with some kind of series of spikes running along its spine. Its head is what most resembles a goat's with glowing eyes or at least eyes that glint when hit with the glow of a flashlight or car headlights, similar to the reflective quality of a dog's eye. So it walks on all fours, though sometimes depicted as semi-bipedal, with its stronger hooved hind legs taking over so that its front legs, which appear more like arms with sharp claws, can be used for grabbing or slashing. It has razor-sharp teeth and is said to screech like a chimpanzee. So much like the Honey Island Swamp Monster and other cryptids, the foul stench is said to follow the grunch. The grunch stands over three feet tall on on all fours and is said to hide in the tall grass feasting on local prey and allegedly the occasional human. The Grunch's origin goes far back into the early days of the French colonization of the area. Later in the 1800s, the legend began to become associated with voodoo. Some wild accounts of the creature's creation involve the famous Marie Laveau. Oh. One telling involves Laveau being tasked with castrating a, quote, devil baby. And the baby's testicles fell from the infant and quickly transformed into a male and female Grunch. What the fuck? I know, right? That's so conceptual <laughs> for the time. The beasts attacked Laveau before escaping into the New Orleans swamps. I feel like whoever came up with this did really well with some of his like stories of Laveau and then just kept going and didn't know when to stop. Yeah, it's like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking stop. Um, Don't ever say that again. <laughs> I am a proud pariah. <laughs> so Anti-Star Wars propaganda. So here's the, it's not, it's just self-help in space. Jail. So the devil baby of Bourbon Street. Uh, many versions of the story. <laughs> What's the matter? Is that not serious enough for you? Anyways, on to the real story, the Devil Baby of Bourbon, Bourbon Street. Street. That's <laughs> a great nickname to have. So many versions of the story exist, and here is the more grounded version. Marie Laveau wasn't simply a spooky voodoo priestess, as you implied. Um, she was an, an herbalist and a prominent midwife who assisted pregnant women of all classes in giving birth in the New Orleans area. Fuck yeah. This story claims that one night Laveau was assisting with a difficult birth that ended in the single mother dying during delivery. In the most fantastical versions of the story, the baby was the result of an unnatural romance caused by a love potion Laveau had sold the mother-to-be. 
As a divine consequence, the baby would have come out deformed with horns and a forked tail. The devil baby was also allegedly born fully knowing how to speak and spoke horrible things. Oh, fucking A. Like, put an egg in my ass and fucking both scramble. <laughs> However, if this story is remotely true, which it probably isn't, who knows, the surviving accounts suggest the baby was simply born with a tragic medical disorder. Have you heard of Harlequin babies? I have, but I wouldn't be able to tell you what it's it is. It's like a baby with like a really fucked up skin condition. It's very, it's so sad. It's super tragic. Um, so this is likely, if anything, probably like a deformed baby, like a Harlequin baby, which is like the skin's kind of hard and almost kind of inside out. Ooh, okay. Um, if this was the case, Laveau wouldn't have killed it or castrated it, obviously, because Laveau was not, I don't think, a bad person from what I read about her. Uh, she most likely would have cared for it which is something she often did for orphaned newborns until a proper home could be found. And with no cure from early medicine, the deformed baby probably would have succumbed to its health complications. Popular legends claim that the baby was a spawn of Satan, and its cries can still be heard on Bourbon Street. Oh, no. Devil baby. Yeah, so um, that's related to the grunch. I was not expecting that many, like, monster tales. Yeah, I know. It's kind of fun. Part of the story also claims that um, Laveau had brought the baby to La Lurie. Oh, okay. Like they were friends and like the Lalaurie had helped her like getting the baby somewhere or something, which is also a weird connection. Yeah. But as for the grunge, which is a pretty stupid fucking uh, <laughs> story, um, the grunge sightings still get reported. Local garbage collectors reported seeing one or more grunches rummaging through trash cans in early morning hours. Do you think that's where the grouch comes from? Like Oscar the Grouch? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I think Oscar the Grouch is just a grouch. <laughs> but he is green and... Not goat-like, but, you know. <laughs> he could be a jibbacabra. I don't know. They've been seen allegedly running across the levees of New Orleans and across Highway 90 on quiet nights. And some rumors also spread claiming that Hurricane Katrina displaced the grunge population, meaning that they could be scattered across Louisiana by now. <gasps> or the continental U.S. Oh, no. Uh-oh, SpaghettiO. Get grunched. That's it. That's all I got. I do have like a last minute segment I want to add in that's like super quick. Sure, go ahead. I, ha I had a source. I, I buzzed in really quick while you're talking. I'm so sorry, but it's worth it. So <laughs> me and my friends were talking and um, I do tarot and one of my other friends does tarot. And one of the other people on the call doesn't know how, but they do have Pokemon cards. Yeah. So instead of drawing tarot cards, we did a reading with Pokemon cards. That's adorable. It's Yeah, it was honestly fucking spot on. It was disgusting. God. Um, so I just asked them if they could draw a Pokemon card for you. <laughs> and it is also fucking spot on. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Um, so it's a newer one. It's Impotent. Oh. <laughs> um, I'll show you, I'll show you like, what he looks like. Like impotent? <laughs> can, oh, I see it there. Oh, that's cool looking. Yeah, this little guy. That looks like the grunch. He does have little pupils. Um, so, Impidimp. <laughs> <laughs> impotent. Is a, is a dark fairy type introduced in Generation 8. It is known as the Wily Pokemon. <laughs> it sneaks into people's homes, stealing things and feasting on the negative energy of the frustrated occupants. <laughs> Its abilities are prankster, frisk, and pickpocket. <laughs> so I feel like that's pretty spot on. I feel like that fits you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I got uh, Hitmonlee. That's you. Which is like the, yeah, I right? Know that. Fucking you, yeah. spot on. It's the, the one with elastic legs. Yeah. There's no neck. Mm -hmm. Its abilities are limber, reckless, and unburdened. That's, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. Listen here, Jack. That's exactly, that's Mo. <laughs> 
Its legs freely contract and stretch. The stretchy legs allow it to hit a distant foe with a rising kick. You, you can do a high kick like nobody else. I sure could. Well, hey, so wrap, wrapping up, I enjoyed uh, researching this. I feel like this is more of a callback to like old, according to an idiot. Yeah, like I agree. Folk tales and ghost stories and stuff like that. So I'd like to do more of this, but also... Hey, listener, you tell us what to do next, too. Oh, my God. Hey. I feel like you also have good ideas that we should listen to. Yeah, either do that or eat my ass. With or without eggs. With or without eggs. If you did... Yeah, well, before you do that, do you have a good vibe? Oh, God. You always remember those before I do, and it was my fucking idea. How embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. My good vibe for the day, my plants are doing really well. They're flourishing over here in the Texas sun. Life continues to blossom. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, they are blossoming. My Good Vibe is actually a recommendation to anybody who likes paranormal shit. There's a show called Coast to Coast AM. It still is a thing. Mm-hmm. It's hosted by a man named George Norrie. I don't listen to it nowadays, but it used to be hosted by a man named Art Bell. And I'm a huge fan of Art Bell. Uh, he was like the original master of talking about spooky shit on the radio. Ooh. And... Uh, right now on Spotify, somebody did the awesome work of like uploading all of the old Coast to Coast AM episodes. Um, this was a show that talked about like really weird shit, really spooky shit, would have open lines so people would just call, come in mm-hmm. and tell scary stories. Or cra- honestly, crazy people would also call and talk about how aliens were <laughs> invading. It was kind of the start of stuff like this. And I, I'm just a huge fan of Art Bell. Where would you listen to it? Coast to Coast, I think, probably still puts out the best of Art Bell. Okay. But on Spotify, it's just called the, I think, the Art Bell Tape Vault. Let me double check that. Mm. It, it'll probably be taken down as sometime. I hope it isn't because it's awesome. I'm going to have to look that up. But there's episodes from as far back as 1994. Whoa. It's just fascinating to hear, like, just a show from back then in the first place. But also, like, he talks about Skinwalker Ranch. He talks about UFOs. He has big names come on. He has, um... Uh, John Keel, the guy that wrote the Mothman Prophecies. Whoa! Also weird stuff like... Is this like our fucking fever dream? He is the godfather of paranormal talk. He's the daddy. Talk radio. Yeah, he really is. Uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, so rest in peace, Art Bell. But on Spotify, if you look up Art Bell Tape Fault, they have so many episodes that's still being uploaded. Just all these old recordings. You hear that old radio sound and everything. Oh, I love that. Sometimes yeah. they still have the old commercials on it too. It's like <sighs> such nostalgia for a time I wasn't even present for. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. It's just fun, whatever. And they have them through the ages, so you can kind of just hear Art Bell become an old man. Wow. Kind of a treat. So. That's cool. So check that out. I, that's my good vibe. I've, I've been listening to that at work for the past like three weeks. Nice. So yeah. But yeah, if you guys enjoyed this episode and if you have ideas of your own or ideas topics that you would like us to cover or if you just want to give us some feedback uh, please email us at according to an idiot at gmail.com we would love to hear from you we also have an instagram and facebook at according to an idiot that you can find our latest episodes additional artwork things like that we also have a twitter at idiots accord If you really super like us, you can leave a review on iTunes and now on Spotify. That helps other people find the show. We are a largely grassroots operation here. So any recommendations you can give really helps us out. Yeah. Quite a lot. Thank you so much. We also have a Patreon. Yeah, it's really Patreon, according to an idiot at (laughs) patreon.com. But yeah, thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys. I love you. And I will see you in time. Okay, now I love you. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. That's how it goes. (laughs) All right, guys. See ya. Bye.